I'm Heather. And I'm Carrie. And welcome to When Calls the Podcast. We are two sisters that love everything One Calls the Heart. And we will be recapping every episode starting with season one. Hey hearties, welcome to When Calls the Podcast where we discuss everything One Calls the Heart. Hey Carrie. Hey Heather. So today my voice might sound a little lower than normal because (laughs) I've been fighting a cold for the past three days and I still haven't nipped it yet. You poor thing. Well, we both had this terrible cold on Sunday. Yeah, we were down and out the whole day, just in bed, sick. We were wanting to record a podcast over this past weekend, but we were so busy and we literally stayed in bed all day Sunday. We did. We did. And didn't move. No, (laughs) not at all. (laughs) Yeah, it has been really busy for us. We had a wedding. My cousin got married. And then... um, We had a tea party. A tea party. Yeah, I hosted a tea party. So we used to do tea parties when my great-grandma was still alive. And we would go to her house. She was widowed. And she lived in her home, the old homestead, how she was in her 90s. And so we would go in and do tea parties. We'd dress up, you know, have the hats and the fancy little food. And it was so much fun. Well, she's passed away. Uh, But we still continue to do these tea parties with my mom and her sisters and sometimes a few cousins. So we had not done one for so long. And so we decided, a cousin was up from Florida, so we decided to go ahead and and do one. And it it was lovely. It was was a lot of fun. fun. Carrie put a lot of hard work and effort (laughs) into it. It was a lovely little relaxing evening, and I read some poetry as well in my most dramatic voice. (laughs) And then also at my work, we had a tea party. We were celebrating a Mad Hatter's Tea for Alice in Wonderland at the library. We had lots of kids come. Lots. I was not expecting that many. I had planned for about 16, and we had about 40 people on together. Oh, my goodness. Thankfully, there was enough food for everyone, but I was dressed up as the Queen of Hearts. Uh, However, I can't be mean because I'm afraid I'm going to make some little kid cry, (laughs) and that sounds terrible to me, but it was a lot of fun. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, I just feel like the past couple weeks have just been so busy, and things have really kicking into gear I guess we've been so used to not doing much because of COVID just being at home not socializing too much so we've had two weeks of just lots of socializing and it is exhausting when you're not used to it I'm like oh my goodness how did we do this before yeah I'm an extrovert Carrie's an introvert yes and so I can handle being around lots of people but it was a little much being crammed back-to-back full weekends. Yes. I mean, in the States, most places are were fu- pretty much fully open. I know in other countries they're not yet, so I empathize with people who are not there yet. But it is it has definitely been getting used to, getting used to, like, doing things again. Definitely. It's been really interesting. And partly, I still have an introverted side to myself. But this weekend, we have no plans whatsoever. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I'm so happy. I am so happy. So we have some recording on our agenda because yes. we've had to push our recording off or a lot more than we thought we were going to have. Yes, so. just because of busyness. So. All right, Carrie, are you ready to dive I in? I am. I'm excited about this episode. Oh, I am too. This episode I really enjoyed. 
I had always liked this episode, mm-hmm. and then I watched it again, and then it just reminded me of how much I really liked it. Yes. Our episode we are talking about today is Italian Silence, Episode 3, Season 1. So the scene opens with the pastor that is hired by the mine directing a sermon in the saloon. And my first impression when I was listening to his sermon, I was thinking to myself, he is definitely hired by the coal mining company. Yes, (laughs) for sure. His words were just so ingrained into what he should be paid to say. Well, he said something to the effect... um... That the mine is reopening, and then he says, we have talkers who want to focus on the past instead of the future. So who is he referring to? The widows? Is he referring to maybe a possible investigation? Like, people are focusing on the mine explosion? That's true. I didn't think of that. Like, I didn't, I don't even know that I caught that. Mm. But, yeah, it just reminded me kind of a flashback of back in the 1800s when they had the slavery pastors were paid. They were not necessarily paid, but they were told what to say as well. Yeah, like point out all those verses in the Bible and emphasize on those, yeah. like that you have to obey your master. Yeah, it just kind of reminded me of those type of sermons. A little <laughs> manipulative or something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Abuse of power, really. I mean, yeah, he's supposed to be the pastor and he's being paid by somebody to you know, what to say. What to say, pretty By much. a company. Yeah. I, I wasn't too impressed with his sermon. And then there's Kat that's in the woods teaching Sunday school. Can I go to that church? <laughs> I know. Okay. A church in the woods? Yes, please. Yeah. Oh, uh, it looked lovely. Sure, they were sitting on logs. And sure, your posterior might be sore by the end, but I would definitely go to her Sunday school. But wouldn't it be... For her to be, I know she's saying she's just like a Sunday, it's like a Sunday school, but for her to be re- leading the service, wouldn't that be really scandalous back in the time? Yeah, well, and later on in this episode, the the reverend goes and talks to her, and he's mm-hmm. accusing her of preaching in the woods. And, and stealing his congregants. And stealing his congregants, which irks me greatly. Yeah. But it would have been very frowned upon to have a woman pastor. It was unheard of. Yeah. There is that one episode in Dr. Quinn. We're also Dr. Quinn fans. Yes. That there was that traveling woman. Well, she was a healer. Oh, it was the Johnny Cash episode. Johnny and June Cash. Yes. Yes. So there was that. But, like, women preachers were unheard of for that era. For sure. Also, I got a chuckle from... Uh, Jack arriving slightly late, and <laughs> and she was giving him a hard time about being late to a church service. Heathen? Only heathens are late for a service. And then he, he replies, only the uncouth whisper during a church service. So I had to look up, what does uncouth mean? I had never heard of this word. Maybe I have, but I had no idea what it means. So the definition is lacking manners, refinement, and grace. <laughs> all of that and him giving her hard time on that that's great throw some of those fancy words back at her jack yeah right and we see gowan's men they're there spying and like scoping out the service i think we later learned that they were doing a head count to see how many were there when i was watching this i i was very confused i'm like why are the Pinkertons there taking mm-hmm. notes of what Kat is saying? But then later on in the episode, which we're going to go to in a moment, they were doing a head count. So, 
All right, and then in the next scene, Gowan is discussing with the pastor how his member attendance is down. I wonder why. Uh, this just screams Gowan is trying to be in control of everything. He wants to direct the narrative of what the pastor's saying, what's going on. He's not in control when Kat is taking people because he wants to be in control of what, what is being said about the mine and the business. Power hungry. Yeah. And I think Gowan, Gowan doesn't trust Kat, obviously, and he's just miffed that she's drawing more people than his hired reverend. Yeah. And my question is, is this due to the reverend's style of preaching mm-hmm. Or is it more due to the mining company? Yeah. I mean, the, the pastor kind of seems pretty passive to me. He doesn't seem, I mean, in some ways, I guess he's not, but his demeanor isn't real aggressive. No. But you can definitely see that he's being controlled. Yes. And why would the woman want to go to someone that the coal mine is controlling when they can go to Cap at her Sunday school and she can sympathize and relate with them because she mm-hmm. went through the exact same thing they did. Oh, yeah. So true. And then Elizabeth, while at the saloon teaching, wants her class or her students to write about their most important hour of the day. And this is very good to remember for it later on in the episode. So the students start writing their essays. Elizabeth goes to Rosaline and tells her if she can't write her words yet, she can draw a picture. Mm. So save that in the... Oh, I never made that connection. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, that makes so much sense now. (laughs) Right? Light bulb moment. So just remember that. Well, okay, Heather, what is your favorite hour or time of the day? Oh, okay. This one's easy for me. After I get home from work, I get in my pajamas, and I get to sit on the couch and watch a murder mystery (laughs) (laughs) or read a murder mystery book. I'm huge into murder Uh, mysteries. I don't know why, but I love them. Yeah. No, mine would probably be, I get up usually pretty early in the morning, so the house is still quiet, and so it would probably be then. Sometimes I go outside, sit on the patio, I just love it when everything is quiet, like in the morning and there's like dew on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. First, like around six o'clock, that'd probably be my hour. Also, we didn't start doing this until like a year. Actually, it was over COVID, I think, Mm -hmm. that we would uh, start congregating in your room because Carrie has like a little apartment in another section of the house. Mm-hmm. And me and mom come and bring our coffee back in the morning, and we sit around and talk. And that is actually another favorite part of it my is. Day. Yes, it's just relaxing, drinking our coffee. And normally, I have a good hour or two before I have to go to work, so it puts me in a good mood. Yes, yeah, it's great. All right, now I have to discuss the cringe-worthy scene oh. of the pastor comes to visit Cat. I am so conflicted about this man. You don't know, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Is he just like a pawn on Gowan's chessboard? You know, and he's just kind of like a puppet and Gowan is just directing everything. I but I, I think he's just really confused. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to think of the man. Yeah. All I know is this scene. Uh, I know it has to be there for things to make sense, but I just really, I really hate this scene with a passion. It's so cringe. Well, what doesn't make sense, so he comes in and he brings her bread. Did he bake the bread? I don't know. Where did he, he get this bread at? He cake. Did he make it himself? That's yeah. Even... 
And then he wants to sing a song. And so she's like playing the piano and he's singing a love song. Then I'm like, okay, wait, does he like her? Is he in love with this woman? (laughs) Okay, as soon as she sits down and starts playing the piano and he starts singing, I just close my eyes and I just wanted to stop and go away. And then what's even more creepier, after she... (laughs) After she plays the piano, he tells her that she has a soothing touch. (laughs) But then he goes from being nice to confronting her about stealing his congregants. I know. He's trying to soften her up. Like a little blackmail in the beginning or something. Gives her a blow? I don't know. But I did like what she said when he talked to her about, you know, you're taking my congregants away. She said, if you won't meet their needs, they will find someone who will. Amen, sister. Preach it. Yes. I wrote that down in my notes because it's so true. Like, if people aren't getting fulfilled, they're going to congregate to somewhere else. And then she also said, if they are getting any comfort from me, then I will not stop. Yes. Cat, you go. And that's when you could see, like, he he had a really troubled look on his face. Yeah. And I kind of wonder if it wasn't, yeah, he was upset, but I think Gowan was in the back of his head because he's like, I can't, like, there's nothing I can do. And I think he's worried about losing his job. Yeah, really. I think it's more of him just trying to keep his job at this moment. I, I think somewhere deep down inside of him, he does care about what happened mm-hmm. to the people around him or I to think the so. widows. I just think he doesn't know how to help or what to do for them. Yeah, he he kind of comes across as a, like a little awkward with some of this stuff. Like he mm-hmm. doesn't quite know what to say, what's appropriate to say, what's the right thing to say. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. And then Elizabeth is walking home with Rosaline to have dinner. And Anna runs by and asks Rosalina if she wants to play. And Anna is still currently in the season, up to season eight so far. Is she? She is. Okay. And she's a teenager now. Wow. So she's been from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Who is, I mean, whose daughter is, is Anna? Anna? <laughs> I have no idea. Somebody random. <laughs> I have, she's just there. She might have parents. She might not. She's just there going to school. But I thought that was really cute because okay. she was probably only like, six or seven in this first season yeah and now she's 15 yeah yeah (laughs) it was kind of cool also i never made this connection either but elizabeth said that abigail went to take care of her cousin that's why elizabeth went to dinner oh i didn't catch that yeah interesting so i wonder where abigail's cousin lives hmm it was just something I had never caught before. Yeah. So that's where Abigail was. Because if you think about it, she's not in this episode. She's not. That's right. Because you would think she would have been. Yeah. Is she even in the next episode? I don't think she is. Okay. Maybe she is. Hmm. I can't Interesting. remember. Interesting. Yeah. I never picked up on that. So they're walking down the road and suddenly they see an old rough looking man drive by. And Rosaline suddenly looks very uncomfortable and very scared. Yeah, she definitely seems pretty terrified. So it's like, okay, what happened with that man? You immediately are questioning what's going on. Yeah, and Elizabeth notices her reaction right away because Rosaline pulls away and kind of hides 
herself behind Elizabeth, mm-hmm. and I thought it was really sweet. Elizabeth tries to distract her, and she's like, let's hurry. I'm hungry. Let's go. So they take off running. But the question is, who is this man, and how does this little girl know him? Yeah. So that's the big question. Then, while Elizabeth is over at Rosaline's house, Molly, which is Mrs. Sullivan, tells Elizabeth that Rosaline is named after her grandmother. And I thought this was really cool because her name is Rosaline, and she's named after her grandmother. And my middle name is Rose, and I was named after my great-grandma, which her middle name was Rosetta. And then her great-grandma's name was Rosetta. And my parents didn't want to name me Heather Rosetta, which, thank goodness, they shortened it to Rose. And I just thought that was kind of neat because we have kind of that connection. Connection, yes. I love your name. I like it, too. Well, we find out when Elizabeth is talking with Molly that Rosaline has not spoken since the mine accident. Do you know what this reminded me of? Oh, Christy? It does. This first season, I feel like, has a lot of parallels to the book by Catherine Marshall Christie that was later done into a TV show in the early 19... I think it was like 1991, 1992. They just did a one season, I believe, of it. But the little girl Mountie in the very first episode doesn't speak as well. And, and the story around Christie is a, a lady coming from high society to come to the mountains to teach children who are very um, in poverty, very poor, go work at a mission school, basically. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like there's a lot of parallels to yeah. Christie in this first season, mainly. I, I totally agree, because I remember the first time I was watching Winkle Park. Especially when Rosaline came along and she didn't speak. I'm like, this is just like Mountie. Mountie didn't speak either. Exactly. And yeah, it's very similar. So we're giving you guys a whole bunch of great TV shows. (laughs) Christy, Dr. Quinn, you have to go check them all out. But the moments between Elizabeth and Molly, I just felt like they were just such tender, tender moments. You could just feel Molly's desperation to help Rosaline she knows she can't speak or she's not speaking right now she knows there's stuff going on but she doesn't know how to help her and oh I just about broke my heart when she like looks at Elizabeth and is like please help my little girl no and no and I you could just feel that pain inside of her she just wants her little girl to be happy again to speak and you can feel just kind of that burden on Elizabeth as well as she, because she wants this too, but mm-hmm. she's not quite exactly sure how to reach her because yeah. this is an experience with the coal mining disaster that Elizabeth has never been in before. And she just has to figure out the right keys to try to help her to speak again. Yeah. We also find out who the man in the wagon is. Yes. Molly says it is Wendell Backett. Bacchus, yeah, I couldn't remember his last name, something like that, and that he's a heavy drinker is yeah. what she says. He's basically the town drunk, Yeah, and he frequents the saloon, which makes sense why Rosaline probably has seen him before, because the school is in the saloon, but there has to be something more to it than that. Yeah, for sure. There's still something there. So, the next scene we see that Jack finally decides to take in Rip the dog. He has a friend. Yay for dogs. I love dogs. He's so cute. And he's a good old little hound dog. And he's just lousy. Not lousy. Lazy. Lazy. He's just 
lazy and cute in his little baggy eyes and I ears. know. But my question is, like, how does he, you come up with the name Rip? Okay, I have the information Like, rest in peace? <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's what I thought, too. But when Jack is talking to Rip, and he's laying in the jail cell, cell mm-hmm. Rip is, Jack says, I'm going to name you Rip, after Rip Van Winkle. Oh, okay, yeah. And Rip Van Winkle is after a short story by Washington Irving, which was published around 1819. Okay. And this story is about a farmer that meets some dwarfs, and he accepts their liquor. Oh, my. <laughs> and he falls asleep and wakes up an old man. Wow, why would you want to name your dog after that? And then he realized everything has changed. Because That's funny. Because he has grown older. I guess because Rip just looks like a little old man. Maybe. You know, I've heard of Rip. Is it Rip Van Winkle? Winkle. Okay. I've heard of this, but I never knew what the story was. Interesting. I I didn't either. Interesting. I I honestly thought Rip Van Winkle was like some type of murderer. Oh. (laughs) I don't know why. Well, isn't there some kind of name that's similar to that? Rip Um, something. Like the one in, that was in London or something. The um, oh, Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper. <laughs> Between Rip and Jack, I just got Jack the Ripper out of it. Oh my goodness! I just, I like, I thought uh, Rip Van Winkle was some type of murderer. I'm like, I don't know why Jack's naming his dog after funny. this person, but okay. I was clearly wrong. <laughs> I got straightened out on that one. <laughs> But anyways, Rip is adorable. I love him so much. And I'm so glad cute. he's sticking around with yes. Jack for a while. So the pastor comes in and is upset and wants Jack to investigate his church being burnt down. And I guess it's been six weeks. And it happened during the vigil for the miners. Yeah. This time span seems to confuse me. I don't mm-hmm. know why I always get confused about it, but the candlelight vigil... I always got confused exactly when it was held. Okay. But him saying six weeks makes it a little bit more. Yeah. So it must have been soon after the mine disaster when maybe they, when they hadn't found the bodies yet. They were, the men were still just missing. They didn't know if they were alive yeah. or if they were dead. Yeah. That, that makes sense. But then he goes on and makes – he said, oh, he's not accusing her, but makes the mention that maybe Kat burnt down his church. I mean, after – he just went and took her bread and sang a love song with her. Now he's like, cat burnt down my building. Oh, he, oh my, that man. Lord <laughs> love him. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so Jack then goes to the church ruins. And I'm also curious where the church, the first church was located at. Do you think it's where the current one is at? It could be. I honestly have no idea. It's a really beautiful setting. It is. It'd be a perfect place for a church. So he's over there investigating, and he doesn't see a whole lot, but then he does find something. It's some type of old can, and he takes it to Ned Yost, who works at the mercantile, and (laughs) Ned takes one whip, and he says, that is whale oil. So it must really smell bad. Well, probably really fishy, I would I'm imagine. Guessing so. I've never smelled whale oil. But before. thinking of whale oil kind of disturbs me. Like, wouldn't that be pretty? I mean, they'd be killing whales for this, right? Yeah, but it's like the 1900s. I know, but I mean, you can't do that anymore. I would imagine. No. 
it sounded even for the time that that was very unheard of. Yeah, wasn't very popular. Because uh, Jack asked Ned who would use that, and he said someone making really foul-smelling soap. It sounded like not very many people used it at that time period as well. But we later find out it's for candles. Yeah. Which I'm like, man, if it smells that bad and you're burning a candle, wouldn't your whole house smell horrible? I know that. That's what I wonder, too. Like, use some beeswax. (laughs) That smells a little bit better. Use something else, not whale oil. Later on, Elizabeth meets up with Jack and informs him of her concern about Rosaline and Wendell Backus. And then Jack agrees he's going to talk to Wendell. And Jack, (laughs) I think he's just kind of thinking Elizabeth is blowing things out of proportion, Mm -hmm. by the way, it sounds. But then he asks how old Rosaline is. And she says she's only, how old is she? Like she's six or something like that? Or seven? Ten. Wait, oh. maybe not ten. <laughs> We're clearly off. Eight? Maybe. something. Eight? It, it was under ten, I know that. Okay, maybe it's like eight. I can't remember now. And so he then takes her more seriously and decides to talk to Wendell. But does he? Who? Jack? Yeah. Does, does he, he go right straight to Wendell and n- talk to him? Um, no, not quite. Not I don't think quite yet. He was going to, but not yet. Not, not. Because I think the next scene is when Rosaline goes missing. Ah, so then that's. And then talk to it. Yeah. All right. So it's recess time at the school or the saloon, and Elizabeth is sitting by Rosaline, and she is trying to encourage Rosaline to play knuckle bones. It's the game of Jack. But Elizabeth called them knuckle bones. I know. I never heard of it called that before. I haven't either. So Rosaline is kind of playing with him, and then a fight breaks out. Elizabeth rushes over to deal with the fight, and I thought that it was just kind of comical and that she had learned her lesson, that she grabs one of the kids' pale lunches and holds it in front of her (laughs) face as she's trying to break up the boys. Like, I'm not going to get another black eye. (laughs) She's determined not to get another one. And then suddenly she hears a wagon go by pretty fast speed, and she turns and she sees Wendell driving out of town. Uh, That puts Elizabeth into kind of a panic mode, and she runs over to make sure Rosaline's still where she left her, and Rosaline is gone. She is, and she is in an absolute panic. So Elizabeth like starts searching for her. She runs to tell Jack, and Jack hops on his horse and rides to the row houses. And I have never seen Jack ride that fast before <laughs> ever. He was in a hurry for sure. So yeah, Jack goes to Wendell's and to have a discussion with him, thinking that Wendell has Rosaline. So he's pretty Forward. straightforward and very upset in the beginning with Wendell. But he quickly discovers that Wendell has not done anything with Rosaline. And you can tell Wendell's still partly drunk. Yeah. Right now, he looks like he's been drinking. His words are kind of slurred. And (laughs) Jack shoves him against, was it a table or the wall, and tells him if he doesn't say where he has Rosaline, that he's going to lock him up in Medicine Hat Prison. So I looked in to see if Medicine Hat actually had a prison during that time period and i can't find anything (laughs) that they did or not i could be totally wrong but what i did find was that they had a prisoner of war 
camp and medicine hat. Oh. But that wasn't opened until 1943. Okay. And that helped oh, different wow. Nazi prisoners during that period of time. So I have not found anything if there was an actual prison in Medicine Hat, which Medicine Hat is in Alberta. Okay. There could have been one. I just tried researching it, and I couldn't find one. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it was, was probably a notorious prison. Yes. <laughs> but then Wendell reveals um, the reason why Rosaline is scared of him. He describes a moment when he was drunk, and he he was upset with her about something. She'd make a noise. I can't remember what it was. Oh, I can't. What did she do? It was something. It was very something minor. minute. I mean, it was ridiculous. And he raised his hand to her and scared her really bad. And ever since then, she has been very leery, which I would be too, especially with him being drunk. And he's just it looks like a very rough man. Yeah. And he's very troubled. I love um, what he, well, not what he said, but what Jack replied to. But he said, you know, he raised his hand to her and put the fear of God in her. And Jack replies, you put the fear of a very flawed man, not God. And I was like, yes, Yes, preach it, Jack. Yes, I know. I liked that part as well because it's the truth that scaring a child like that is not putting the fear of God into them. That's just traumatizing a poor child. And Jack was absolutely right about that Uh, but we kind of understand now Wendell has always been a drunk but we kind of understand now why he's such a bad drunk as he told Jack that the day the mining accident happened that his best friend went and worked his shift because he was sick yeah and ever since then he's just been trying to not think about it and trying to kill himself with alcohol yeah, he states to Jack that he shouldn't be alive and he should have died with the rest of the men in the mine. I would like what Jack replies back to him and says, maybe you were spared for a reason. It's not too, too late to do something good with your life. Yeah, I just saw that little scene. I mean, Jack goes in there, you know, really upset, but he, when he leaves, like he's showing Wendell grace. And I just really like the softness that Jack Jack took then. I agree. Yeah, it was a good way to end the scene. It wasn't... <laughs> Jack just storming off, not believing him. Because, exactly. Yeah, Jack clearly, I'm pretty sure he believed Wendell by the time mm-hmm. he left the house that Wendell didn't yeah. have her. And we see as soon as Jack leaves, Wendell pouring out his alcohol. He yeah. like holds the bottle and you think he's going to drink it and then he goes and pours it and out. And he pours it out. Really nice scene. Yeah. So this town starts searching for Rosaline and they're all looking in the woods, around the pond, all over the place. But my one comment on this is they're all so very close to each other. They are. <laughs> and like they spread out a little bit more. You'll find her better that way. Yeah. But they're all very close, which I understand. They're trying to get the perspective of everyone coming together to try to search for her. But yeah. they were very close together searching for her. And then we have Wendell showing up, and he wants to help look for her. And I love Jack's like, oh, it's it's good to have you here with us. And I was like, oh. I know. That gave me, so like, sweet. a sweet little moment yeah. that he, even though. Well, even though he's looked down upon in the town because of being a drunk and kind of the accusations he's had about Rosaline, like, he's still willing to come help. And Jack is, st- is like, tr- putting out trust and saying, I trust you, you know, to help. To help. We're including you in the in with us yeah elizabeth then goes to the school 
and she's just at her wits end. They've everyone's been looking all over the place, and Elizabeth just sets down at the table and she just starts praying and crying. And she looks down and she finds Rosaline's drawing from her assignment that she had mm. that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. And it's of her going into the mine holding her lunch pail. So Elizabeth rushes off to the mine and she's looking for her and she does find Rosaline in the mine and she's crying and it's a very it's a very sad and sweet moment. Because the reason why Rosaline hasn't spoke all this time is because she forgot to give her daddy his lunch. Yeah. It's it so sad. It's so sad. And in this moment, I think she had her lunch with her, didn't she, in the mine? So it was like that one last moment yeah. she was bringing her daddy her lunch. and Oh, oh I'm getting teary-eyed just talking about it. Oh, man. It sad. Oh, it's hitting me hard. I did fine watching the episode, but just thinking about it is just really sad. And she feels like she's partly to blame, and she just yeah. feels guilty because her dad was waiting on his lunch, and she never came because she went to play yeah. with her friend Anna. And she says she's, like, scared to tell her mom this. And I was just like, oh, honey, like, your mom, I mean... I'm sure that's the least of her concerns about whether he got his lunch or not, or if it was late. I mean, yes, just well, talk to her. Yeah, and you see Molly in the next scene, and oh, poor Molly. She's a mess. She's crying. She's shaking. Yeah. And who knows what's the last time she ate, and she's just determined to try to find her little girl. Mm. But this next scene, oh. Oh, this next scene. All the feels. All, all the, the feels are out. Oh. I love this scene so much. I can't I can't even describe how much I adore this scene. She looks, or she actually starting, she turns around and is going to go look for her daughter. And then she hears, Mommy! And then uh. she sees Rosaline come running. And not only is Rosaline, they found her, but she's talking again. And she said, yes. Mommy. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> And I feel like in this moment, everyone's crying, including me. Molly's crying. Elizabeth's crying. Cat's crying. The Reverend is crying. Oh, I didn't notice that. Is he? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Everyone was crying. And Molly was so happy to see her daughter I know. I think this the line that Molly says. She's just like, I love you. Oh, dear little one. I love you so. And oh, my goodness. (laughs) It's just so sweet. The feels. Oh, man. That got me. And, yeah, everyone's just so happy to finally see her reunited. And then Jack rides up. (laughs) And, oh, this is another heartwarming scene. We've seen Jack smile before, but in this moment, Elizabeth looks up, and she has tears streaming down her face, but she's smiling, and she looks up at him, and he has this big grin on his face. A huge grin. A huge first big grin that we've ever seen. He's just so happy, so happy. Jack, and yeah. You know what? This reminds me. When I first started watching the first season of When Calls the Heart, I mm-hmm. thought Jack was attractive, but not that attractive. What? Yeah, okay. I'm like, oh, he's okay. And then I remember the moment he smiled, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I remember I was I was sold right from that moment as soon as he had that big old smile. I don't know if I can recall a moment when I thought he was or wasn't attractive. I think I probably always just thought he was attractive. Like, I thought he was okay, but as soon as I saw that smile, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, he has a very nice smile. Yes. 
Uh, that was just a, a beautiful scene between everyone crying and being happy and reunited with Rosie. Yes, it was beautiful. All right, so some of our last scenes is Elizabeth teaching her class once again in Latin. <laughs> and uh, Rosaline answers the question, meaning, what was it? Was it arrow? Oh. No. What was it now? I can't remember. Something that meant sun. Yes. But anyway, Rosaline answered the question. Oh, arrow was wrong. That's what Jack said to Elizabeth. Okay. Anyway. She dismisses the class, and then Jack gets a little flirty. He does. He oh my gets goodness! A close, and he's whispering and like, "Oh, I see what you do in there, boy." And Elizabeth is slowly kind of move, inching her way back, <laughs> cleaning the blackboard, and he starts speaking to her in Latin. Man, and what's so funny is she asks him, "Oh, so you know Latin, do you?" And he says. Yes, uh, for instance, Bella. <laughs> he asked, did I say that right? <laughs> Which Bella means beautiful. And oh, I didn't realize yeah. that. Oh, my goodness. And so, <laughs> and so she's just like, oh. And then he also said, was it Bargeshi? Bargeshi. I don't know, I if don't know how to say that. that right. Coming down to it, he actually said, beautiful, wake up. And he was talking about this student that, that was, was sleeping. sleeping. <laughs> I called the wake up part. I didn't know what the first was, though. So. So oh, my goodness. beautiful wake up. And Elizabeth thought she was, he was talking about her. Oh, and my it was goodness. just funny. Well, and this is a scene that he also apologizes to her. Yes, because that's where the arrow Yes. So he says something to the effect of, I'm sorry for, um, uh, what, what was it? Just basically. Being a mis oh, misjudging your character. Yes. And basically, like, last night, once again, proved me wrong, which would have been referring to what happened with yes. her finding Rosaline last yes. night. All right. So then the last scene ends with Jack returning Cat's coal caddy. And he returns it to her. He goes to put it in the shed. And what is inside her shed? Dun, dun, dun. Whale oil. <laughs> and Jack picks up the whale oil. And then there's the music, the mystifying music. And he just looks. And then the scene cuts. And you're w sat there wondering, did she really burn down this building? <laughs> Surely I, not. I don't think she did, but it has you questioning. It does. All right, Carrie, it is now time for our highs and lows. <laughs> so what were your highs and lows, Carrie? Oh, goodness. My high would probably be one of my favorite scenes, besides the scene that Rosaline has found, is the scene when Jack goes to talk to Wendell. I just really, I really love that scene. I love how we kind of find out why Wendell is the way he is. It's not just like, oh, he's just some drunk and, you know, there, there's a reason behind. Like, he's in pain. Like, there's something that's happened. And I just love how, how Jack speaks with him and gives grace to him. I just, I love that scene so much. 
And my low would be, I guess, just the pastor. I just feel like, I think he's, I really do think he's a good guy. I really do. But I just feel he's being played by Gowan and he just needs to have guts and stand up for yeah. himself. He's not happy with no, his he's job not. right now. Not at all. Just needs to leave Gowan behind and do something. Do If he wants to be a pastor, to be a pastor that actually preaches. Well, yeah, and it's not having somebody dictate to him what he should say. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. So what about you, Heather? All right, so my low is also the pastor, but my low is the exact scene that I told you that was cringeworthy. The pastor <laughs> singing while Cat plays is my ultimate low because, like I said, I'm just in pain through the entire scene, and I just wanted to stop, and I don't handle this scene well at all. Well, okay. Also, if he's going to sing, why doesn't he sing like a hymn instead of a love song? I know. She's playing on her piano while they barely know each other. Why is he sitting in her row house bringing her cake, singing a love song to her while she uncomfortably plays the piano? She doesn't want to play the piano for him. So awkward. So awkward. Oh, so that is my that is my low. Okay. My high, oh, it's so cliche, but it's honestly Rosaline and Molly reuniting. I'm really glad that you had a different high, though, because... I figured you might pick that one, so I was trying to think of a different high. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad you did, because, yeah, I was just being cliche, and that was my high of them being reunited. Yes. So, Heather, how many hearty ratings would you give this episode? Ooh, okay. I really, like I said, I really like this episode. It has enough intrigue, a little flirty romance, mm-hmm. tearjerker moments, the feels. I would give this episode a solid eight. Wow. What would you give this episode, Carrie? So... I really love this episode. <laughs> I'm giving it a nine. A nine. Maybe that's my highest rating yet. Did you rate a nine before the, I don't the first think episode? So. Did oh, I? I, I think remember. maybe it was more like an eight or something. I could have been. I think it's my highest rating. We'll see what gets your ten. Gets I know. 10. I'm so scared to use my ten. <laughs> it needs to be like my absolutely favorite episode <laughs> of all time. I know. I do know that I have a favorite one coming up. So. Oh, now I'm intrigued at which episode <laughs> it is. I am super excited, too, because we're going to have some really exciting episodes yeah. and scenes coming up in the future. Well, any episode that has all the feels gives me goosebumps is automatically going to be my favorite episode. <laughs> right. So. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Be sure to join us next Friday where we will be dropping another episode of When Calls the Podcast. Take care, guys. Bye. You can follow us on Twitter at WCTH Podcast and on Instagram at When Calls the Podcast, or you can drop us an email at When Calls the Pod at gmail.com. And until then, may you face every obstacle with courage, grace, and dignity.